Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode 94. And what a way to start it. KD wants out of the Nets. Are we really surprised? The Nets are a mess. But today was supposed to be a big day for the NBA. Free agency starts, you know. A lot of players are going to be moving. A lot of players are going to get some contracts. They're going to say, wow, this is ridiculous. Namely, like Brunson going to the Knicks for like $110 million, four years. He's getting a lot of money. We're not going to talk about that because KD wants out of Brooklyn. We're gonna. Can he go to the Lakers? Supposedly the Lakers are one of the destinations. If he, was, if he still wants to stay with Kyrie, they could both go to L.A. in some weird scenario. But the most likely destination, according to what everyone's saying right now on Twitter, is Phoenix. And, like, this literally broke not too long ago. So, you know, some some things might change as we go. But this is crazy news. Kevin Durant has officially asked for a trade from the Nets. Um, also, Kyrgios looked really good this morning, um, defeating his opponent straight in straight sets. Sets up a rematch against T.C. Paz. It's going to be an electric match. We'll talk about that. Gareth Bell to the to LAFC. He's going to follow Cellini. They're going to have a great pair over there. LAFC means business. They need to win a championship soon to really put everything together. And, you know, we got to talk about Gareth Bell leaving Europe, coming to the MLS. Could he have done something else? And in Wimbledon, Wimbledon is in full swing. Serena Williams, Murray, and Rod Ocano are out of Wimbledon. And we're only in day four. Uh, a lot of stars are out of Wimbledon. Schwartzman is out. Uh, Felix is out. Um, Bertini had a withdrawal. Obviously, Rublev and Medvedev aren't there. So there's a lot of star power already out on day four of Wimbledon. And also, we got to talk about F1 not showing as much support as it would have liked over Hamilton. No one really... You know, we'll talk about it at the end, but no one really spoke out that hard against the vile words that were used against Hamilton. And, you know, it was a little upsetting. So we got to touch on that. But all of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. The news broke today that Kevin Durant wants out of Brooklyn. He has had enough. That that situation there is just not going to work out for him. He needs to get out of there. And Phoenix and the Clippers, I think, are the likeliest destination uh, Miami also, Miami's always going to be in these discussions, but this is just crazy. It, it completely stole the news today. Um, obviously, today is the first day of free agency. Some big news have already passed, um, like Brunson signing with the Knicks for over 110, 106 plus million dollars. And there's uh, there's going to be a lot of other uh, signings that happen. Beal signed with the with the wizard extended again for over two hundred million dollars, so there's a there's a lot of moving parts today, but none of them matter right now because KD asked for a trade, and that should have everyone's attention. Everyone's trying to clear cap space. Everyone's trying to you know call the Nets and see if their package is good enough to get KD. And crazy enough, there is some rumblings that the Lakers might be in it, and obviously that would mean that AD has to get involved. Like, there's no... We don't have any other package. We don't have players. We don't have that many picks, if any, left. It would have to revolve around AD. And if the Phoenix Suns aren't willing to uh, get rid of Booker, which is what I'm hearing, uh, or what everyone's saying on Twitter, and the Lakers are willing to get rid of AD, 
then the Lakers offer suddenly becomes the best one on the table. AD, if AD gets offered for KD, he is not a bad player to get in return. I think he's still like 27, 28 years old. Yeah, he's had some injury history, but 28-year-old top 75 player in the NBA, still in the prime of his career, even though he had a down year, still in the physical prime of his career. So, you know, the Nets got to think about what they're going to get. If the Lakers somehow pull this off, that would be insane. Like, Twitter would literally, like, break. The NBA Twitter, regular Twitter, this will reach everywhere, every corner in the world. KD and LeBron teaming up in the Lakers uh, out of all places to try to go, you know, win a title together. Like, that would be insane. The slander that KD will get would be insane. Like, you were trying to beat LeBron and now you're joining him. Like you said, you're tired of coming in second. You came in second in high school. You came in second, you know, getting drafted. I'm tired of getting second. Like, and now his main rival in the NBA is is LeBron, and he. There's rumors. I mean, like I said, this is all speculation. There's rumors. He also has said that he wants to go to Phoenix, um, and he wants to go to Miami. So he is rumored to be wanting to go to the both number one seeds in the respective conference, but. Like I said, the Brooklyn situation is so ugly and so, you know, murky. And it was such a terrible year last year that I don't really blame KD for wanting to leave. And obviously, he, he's in the business of looking for championships. He needs to get another one, um, especially with the Warriors winning one so soon after he left. Like, that itch for a championship just it must be getting, like, harder and harder. Like, he needs one. He He, he wants one so bad. And he needs to go somewhere else to get that because, like I said, the Nets are in trouble. Obviously, the Kyrie situation, but Steve Nash also, he's not that good of a coach. Like, let's be honest to ourselves. Nash is kind of over his head. He he, he doesn't really do anything. He's, you don't see him draw up great plays out of bounds. Sometimes he's supposed to take a timeout to stop a run. He doesn't do it. And it's fine. Like, he's going to figure it out as he goes. But you kind of expect someone to figure it out as they go with like a mid, a mid, te- um, you know, lower ranking team in the conference. You don't expect someone to learn on the fly with KD, Kyrie, and all these expectations. But with that being said, where do you guys think he's going to end up? Like, do you think he's going to end up with Phoenix? Is uh, Pat Riley going to pull something off and bring him to Miami? Can the Lakers unexplicably bring him to LA? Like, if the Lakers somehow pull this off, like, I know it's going to throw a lot of people off. Like, a lot of people are going to be like, I'm never going to watch the NBA. Like, this is so bullshit that the Lakers end up with LeBron and KD. Like, like this, like what's what's the point of watching the NBA? Like, this is ridiculous. And I know there's going to be other people that are like, no, regardless, it's going to break the internet. It's going to steal all the headlines. It's going to be insane. And I can only imagine how tickets for... Um, crypto arena are gonna are gonna be like how expensive they're gonna be like it's gonna be insane but yeah as a laker fan why not man why not bring kd to the lakers that would be insane make it happen some way somehow but do i think it's gonna happen no i think ultimately he'll probably end up going where he wants to go and if these rumors are correct and he does have phoenix as his number one destination i think kd has that pool um yeah he probably has that relationship with Brooklyn um, that they'll facilitate it for him and he'll end up in Phoenix. And then they'll be scary. And I do think Phoenix will try to call another team, third team, try to make some moving pieces so that they're able to keep um, Devin Booker and uh, 
they get KD. Does that mean Chris Paul goes somewhere else? Maybe, but if, if I think Booker and KD, if there is a trade, they're going to end up playing together next year. And that would be scary. That would be scary. Um, they would definitely be the favorites in the West at that point, in my opinion. But let's see how it plays out. This is fun. The NBA is always fun. The NBA has gone zero days without being overly, you know, extra. And it's great. I love it. Free agency just started. Um, KD just asked for a trade. There's probably going to be more stuff, more moving pieces with free agency just beginning. And this is awesome, man. Make sure to keep up with Woj, with Shams. Like, it's going to be insane. Kyrgios defeats Krakjanovic, 6-2, puts out Puts on an absolutely show with 25 aces, only 10 unforced errors. Just completely killing it with his first serve, with the second serve. Just put on a show. He 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 was great. He was amazing. He really established himself as one of the threats to really go far into Wimbledon this year. I saw it coming from his great grass season that he had. And, um, yeah, now it sets up a match against Tsitsipas. And they just played maybe like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago. And Kyrgios beat him pretty handily. Um and he has a great record against Tsitsipas overall and all, uh, like, over their time playing. So this is going to be electric. This is definitely going to be exciting. Uh, I do think Kyrgios is the better player on grass, even though uh, he does have a temper and, you know, he could be so volatile. Um, Tsitsipas obviously is the more experienced player. He's the one that's broken the top 10, broken the top 5. Um, he's won more than Kyrgios. He's a more established player. Um, just by his ranking and the matches that he's been on. He's been to the final of Roland Garros. He's gone deep in other tournaments. Um, so, obviously, Tsitsipas has more experience. Um, I would say he's more even-keeled. He's more He has more, more composure. But when Nick Kyrgios is on, Nick Kyrgios is, like, on, on. Like, I'm pretty sure you've heard it everywhere, if you're a tennis fan, that if Nick Kyrgios got his head straight, he could he could win a slam. He could win, you know, Wimbledon or, you know, the Aussie Open, his his home tournament. He might even win the U.S. Open. There's people that really believe that. Not not Roland Garros because he doesn't like clay. But there is a lot of people that think if this man gets it together, if this man could just keep his head straight, um, he could potentially win slams. And, and it wouldn't be like that big of a surprise because he does have the racket talent. He does have the, you know the personality and the aura of, of a top player. Like, people want to watch him. He's one of the most followed tennis players on Instagram. And I know that doesn't really mean anything, but it kind of does because people appreciate, people know the talent that he has. People see his highlights, see his Instagram reels, see the TikToks about him. And he's he's legit. And I, for one, obviously, I don't like all the off-the-court or, like, in-court bad behavior, throwing the racket, almost hitting a ball kid. Um, the verbal views of officials and all that stuff. But I appreciate his talent, and I appreciate him bringing a, a fun element to tennis. Not that tennis isn't fun. I love tennis. I would watch it regardless. But just being an enigma, being different, I could appreciate that. Being being um, true to himself, being honest to how he feels, I could appreciate that. And I, like his honesty shined again today after having a great match. Obviously, he was feeling himself he said, I, I just wanted to remind people, everyone, that I'm pretty good. And he honestly, he, he reminded people. And I'm pretty sure almost everyone knows that he's pretty good. Like, obviously, this was an exceptional showing. He looked great on the court. 
But like I said, no one ever thinks of Kyrgios as a bad player or, you know, someone that doesn't have talent to go far in tournaments and slams and master 1000s. He has the talent. What people always talk about him is just his his lack of concentration, how he teeters too fast, how you just never know which curious you're going to get. Not even like match to match, like set to set, game to game, even point to point. Like he could look focused. He could look like he has everything in control. He thinks a call goes like a, a missed call that he thinks happened just completely throws him off his game and he loses it for the rest of the game, just like that. But he does look more focused this season. He does. He has had really good results 2022. I think the doubles slam that he won with Kokonakis at the Australian Open really lifted some pressure off him. He, his personal life seems to be going well with his girlfriend. And all of that just, you know, he, he's putting on a great product on the court. And I would suggest everyone that's a tennis fan to definitely tune in to that match against TC Paz. I believe Saturday morning here in the States, wherever you are, just make sure, you know, wherever you are, just check up on the time. But it's going to be must-watch TV. Curios versus Tissy Paz. Last time they played, it was exciting. They seem to like each other. They seem to respect each other. Uh, I think Curios had, had like, a tweak. He tweaked, like, his foot or something when he played Tissy Paz last time. Tissy Paz, like, made sure that he was good. Curios said, yeah, I'm good. It's just, I don't think they dislike each other. I know I do believe there are some players on tour that don't like Curios. Like, like personally, or they don't care for his uh, antics. But I don't think T.C. Boss is one of them. I think they're actually kind of cool. So, but regardless, it's going to be a great match. It's just must-watch TV. Make sure to tune in to Kyrgios and T.C. Boss on Saturday. It's going to be electric. And staying on the Wimbledon topic, Serena Williams, Andy Murray, Emma Raducanu are all out, out of Wimbledon. And it's only day four. And they were out by day two, day three, I think. Murray, day three, Serena Williams. Raducanu, Serena day two, Raducanu day three. She lost yesterday. And, man, that's a big blow to Wimbledon, the local fans. Uh, Raducanu, the number one British woman in the tournament. Murray, obviously, two-time Wimbledon winner. Um, you know, probably the the most, the winningest British player um, in recent history. I'm not 100% sure of all time, but he's probably the best player of all time out of Britain male. Um, I gotta freshen up on my Britain tennis history, but obviously Mary's a legend. Raducanu, number one British player. She had, I think, the third highest odds, like a week out from Wimbledon to win it for the ladies. I made a comment on that on one of my um, podcasts. I was like, I don't see it. She has a losing record since the U.S. Open. The only the only reason I think her rankings were so high is because of that local support like she was always going to have home support she was always going to have uh, the majority of the support and whatever um center court court one whatever court she was placed in she was going to have the overwhelming amount of support and serena williams was like seventh favorite and it was always going to be tough i thought like maybe if she got her legs if she was able to get through run she was able to get through round one and round two and you know work herself into you know a little better game flow and get game into game shape she might be able to you know really propel herself pick up you know intensity pick up rhythm as the tournament went on and then she would be dangerous with that server of hers but unfortunately she loses in round one murray loses in round two raducanu out in round two and honestly the stars are dropping like flies in the women's and the men's side but i think especially in the men's side from where i could uh think like schwartzman's out second round shop of olive who was 
semifinals last year. He just lost to um, American player. Uh, I forgot his name. Uh, Murray's out. Casper Ruud's out, who just made the final of Roland Garros. Obviously, he's a clay specialist, but you would think he would go a little further. And Wimbledon, he's out in second round. Felix uh, Audrey Elysium out in the first round. Hercat's out first round. Berrettini had to withdraw. Medvedev Rublev aren't there because of their ban. And Zverev is out because of injury. So barely round two, and we're already down all these star players, all these, you know, big tickets. So, you know, I think the field is wide open. This bodes well for both Nadal and um, Djokovic. Djokovic, who at the beginning of the draw looked like he had the way easier to draw, that Nadal draw has suddenly, you know, evened out with Berrettini having to drop out, with uh, Felix losing in round one. And uh, now Kyrgios and Tsitsipas, who are on that side of the, on that half of the draw, they play each other. So they're going to, you know, cancel each other out. So this draw just became very, very interesting. Like there's going to be a lot of players um, that get to their first like quarterfinal, quarterfinal, even semifinal maybe, um, just because the draw has just taken a complete flip. Uh, who do you guys think is going to win? I think Nadal definitely has a, a great chance of winning this. He's, he seems to be getting into form. He hadn't played a grass match in forever. Now he's on to round three. Even Taylor Fritz looks pretty good. He looked pretty good uh, playing today. And Hercats, I thought Hercats was going to be a threat to win it this year. Uh, he had a great warm-up grass season going into Wimbledon. But he loses in round one. And he almost he made it the game. He pushed it to five sets, but he loses at the end. Um, I think Berrettini should be the most sad out of everybody. He was he was coming back from injury, had a great grass season leading up into Wimbledon, and just gut wrenching to catch COVID right before Wimbledon. And kudos to him for reporting it. I know there's a lot of rumors or people are saying that there was players that caught it at Roland Garros, and they just had. They just kind of had an agreement, a pact that they would not report it just because all the players were in, in on it. And they, they had agreed to, like, just keep playing and persevering through it, which is, you know, kind of dangerous. But Berrettini, I don't know how, how severe his symptoms are, but it's just so sad to see him out over the tournament. But, yeah, man, I feel for, you know, the home crowd. Obviously, um, Cameron Norrie still there, so I'm pretty sure all the home support will shift to him with Radu Kanu and Andy Murray out. Uh, we'll see how he could go. He's very consistent. He, he, his highs aren't the highest on tour, but his, his lows are definitely like one of the higher lows, uh, bases, if, if that makes any sense. And he's just super consistent, super, super even killed. Um, he'll make you like hit winners. He'll make you earn every point. So he could definitely go far. I got to see how his, uh, his path looks, but definitely for a lot of players, if you're, if you're a fan of, you know, someone that's still in the draw first time at Wimbledon or the draw looked a little hard for one of like your local players or where, whoever you support. Like this draw just completely opened up. One more time to recap everyone that's out on the men's side that could have potentially gone into the third round or further. Schwarzman out, second round. Shapovalov out. Andy Murray out. Kasper Ruud out. Felix FAA out. Hercats, Bertini, Medvedev, Rublev, Zverev. Like that's that's a lot of names. Those are a lot of the names you've been seeing the last few years making it to quarters and semis and stuff like that. So to see all of those out, like it bodes well for the parody, I guess. Um, 
just seeing different names get to these latter stages of the of the tournament. But yeah, honestly, I would say Djokovic, Nadal, the winner of Kyrgios and and um, Tsitsipas are probably the the three strongest players left. The three the three favorites going into day five of Wimbledon. Gareth Bell is now a player of LAFC. This is a big coup, not only for LAFC, but for the MLS. Gareth Bell, now at 32 years old, obviously he's not the player that he once was. He was mercurial. He was, you know, blazing speed. He was amazing. At one point, he was in the discussion for best player in the world. And he was the most expensive transfer of all time at one point, going to Real Madrid from Tottenham. And he had some great moments. As a Real Madrid fan, Jalan Madrid, I know all the great moments that he had. I mean, winning Champions Leagues, getting assists, win- winning Copa del Rey, winning La Ligas. Unfortunately, he had a fallout with the board, with the coaches, and he didn't get as much playing time as he probably deserved the last few years. He's still a very good player, and I think we see it the most nowadays with the Welsh national team, um, with Wales, getting them to the World Cup, still showing class, still scoring banger goals when he puts on that red and white jersey with Wales. So he's obviously still class. There's always there was interest from uh, several Premier League teams to get on the transfer from Real Madrid. There was rumors that he might be even going to Italy. He definitely still had the talent. He's not that old, 32 years old. He still had a couple good years to still compete in Europe, to still play in one of the top five leagues in the world. And honestly, I thought that was was going to happen. I honestly, I did not think that he was going to be going to the MLS like at all. Like there's always rumblings for players. That they're going to end up in the MLS. Um, Like when Aguero was leaving City. I kind of thought like it was more likely that he was going to go to the MLS. I'm like uh, where is he realistically going to go? He ended up going to Barcelona. And then he had to retire because of a heart condition. But with Gareth Bale. I just I almost assumed that he was going to go back to the Premier League. It just made so much sense. He's He's from Wales. He's British. Like he's probably the greatest British player. Soccer player of all time. So it just made sense for him to go back to the Premier League. I kind of had it as a foregone conclusion. And these, you know, Premier League teams are probably the one of the few teams that could afford his wages. But LAFC comes through and signs him up. And now he's joining LAFC with Cellini. And they have a great program going over there now. They're really attracting their fans. Um, some of my old roommates live in LA now. And they go to the games and they tell me that the atmosphere is amazing. You know, the crowd's cool the stadium is right just in, just enough to have like a good amount of people there have a crazy environment it's just fun um people that don't even like soccer like that be showing up supporting to supporting lfc so it's great for lfc it's great for the mls and i'm excited to catch a game um i'm in the bay area so if, if he when lfc comes to uh to play against the earthquakes i'm definitely gonna try to catch a game and gareth bell i think uh I think he shouldn't be too upset. Uh, there, I know there's people criticizing him, saying that this is a cop out. That he still he should have competed more. Um, people were. I think he should be more criticized for how he, he. Obviously, Real Madrid had some fault with how the last two years went, but Gareth Bale also. You know, he he had that poster where he was saying that Wales national team golf, and then Real Madrid. So it was it was it was you know. Both sides were both giving giving shots at each other, taking shots at each other. It's a shame that it ended that way. 
But I don't think there's any shame in him going to MLS at this stage of his career. I don't think he has anything to prove. He he won the Champions League. He was a key piece to a lot of those Champions League victories. Um, he was for the most part a good locker got excuse me a good locker room guy. Like you you never really heard of any player really complaining about him. It was more like coaches and like agents talking to the team, seeing what they could do, getting um, getting him to a different team, getting him paid, all that stuff. But I think if you look back at Gareth Bell's career, you'll see that he's the greatest British player of all time. And that that doesn't go lightly. Like, he was amazing. He was great. He, he was competing for Ballon de Oros at some point. Like, you really thought this guy could be the best player ever. And he didn't quite get there, but that there's nothing to be ashamed of that when you played in the same generation as Messi and Ronaldo. Like, there's no shame in not ever winning a Ballon de Oro or not ever being considered the best player in the world. So... Hats off to Gareth Bell. I hope you enjoy LA. I hope you, you know, enjoy the MLS. And if anything, it brings more eyes to the MLS. The MLS whose inception, I think, was in 1996. So we're going almost on 30 years. Or no, 22 plus 4, 26 years. We're going on 26 years, almost 30 years of MLS. These type of moves, bringing these type of marquee players still um, in, in good form, in good shape, not like, I don't think Gareth Bell is ready to retire. Obviously, they call the MLS Retirement League, but I think this is a good move for the MLS. And these are the type of moves that will keep bringing attention to the MLS and keep raising the level of the league. So, bravo, all sides. Like, Gareth Bell, collect your money. Enjoy LA. It's going to be a great time. And if you have any other business ventures, I think LA is the place to be. I think he probably thought of that. That's why he's making that move. So, shout out to Gareth Bell. Appreciate your time in Real Madrid. You're an amazing player. Greatest British player of all time, and best of luck with LAFC. Hope you bring them their first MLS Cup championship ever. And to wrap it up, we got to talk about what happened in F1 this week. Nelson Piquet's comments about Hamilton came out surface this week, where he basically, in Portuguese, called Hamilton the N-word. And it's just disgusting. There's no other way to put it. It's disgusting. Someone that should be a leader of F1, you know, to push it into this next gen, into this next generation, into this next phase, to make it as worldwide as it could be, to just be an ambassador of the sport, to to talk about that, to talk that way about a fellow, you know, F1 driver, someone that's regarded as the best driver ever in F1 history. Like he's a three-time world champion, he should be, you know, I don't know, it sh- he should it should be understood that like you you should you're you should be better than that. Like that's all I could say. You should be better than that, and it's just disgusting that it doesn't matter how successful you be. I'm pretty sure he's educated. It doesn't matter how educated you be. Like, these thoughts could still run through you, and it's just sad. Um, and I feel bad for Hamilton. Hamilton, who's, you know, he's has he's had to go through this his whole life since he was carding to being F1, uh, being, like, the only, you know, person of color of um, in, in the F1, being the only person of color. Uh, probably all the way from when he was growing up, when he chose to follow this profession, follow you know this dream. For the most part, he's always been just the, the only person of color since he was carding all the way to the F1. And to have all that pressure, all that negativity thrown his way and still make it this far, still be regarded as the best or at least the most winningest player, uh, driver in F1 history is just amazing. Like, if you put everything, all the context behind it, like, it just makes his career, which is already, like, super amazing and is filled with accomplishments. And there's just so many great moments to talk about. 
if you put all that context in there on top of all the accomplishments he has, it's just it makes it really makes you respect and just appreciate Hamilton for like the thick skin that he has, the mental fortitude that he has, and just you know the cojones that he has on him. Like this guy's just he's different. He's different. He's literally uh, opening doors for the whole next generation. Like people are gonna look at what he's doing and just be amazed and believe in themselves so it's great it's great to see it from that point but obviously it's disgusting to see it from racial slurs that are thrown his way and it's also honestly it's disappointing to see all these driving all these teams give out these shallow half-hearted um statements showing that they're in solidarity with uh hamilton and saying they're against racial abuse but not really not really saying much like it just seems like they're doing it because they have to the public opinion is so um like if you see their twitter mentions like everyone's like when are you gonna say something when are you gonna say something and then they say something and it's it's kind of just like all right here here's my statement like get off my back you know it's not it doesn't seem like it's genuine it doesn't seem like they really mean it like they they don't mention um the name of the person that said the bad they don't mention uh Piquet's name they don't say like what he did they don't they don't really get too into it. They just they just say like a little blanket statement saying we stand in solidarity with Hamilton and you know hope to you know keep pushing the the envelope or keep pushing, you know, education on this topic or something. Like it's so vague and so half hearted. It just seems like they're just doing it to get it out there so that they could at least say, you know, we we did something. We did something like get off our back and if, if that keeps happening at the very top with, like, the teams and F1 as a whole, like, we're never going to get to a point where, you know, there's more than just when Hamilton is the only one that's, you know, p- bringing that diversity into the into the sport. Like, we're never going to get to a point where we see, like, five black drivers, two Mexican drivers, you know, just drivers of all color. And maybe that's what they're trying to keep. Maybe they're trying to keep the status quo. They're trying to keep it that way. It is one of the most expensive sports in the world to get into like you got to have like backers and people to support you and stuff like that but you know it is what it is we could the only thing we could do as fans of the sport or you know as just regular people is to just keep talking about it and keep bringing attention to it and to keep supporting Hamilton and uh you know condemn people when when they act out and uh I, I have seen that ESPN did report that they have banned Nelson Piquet from uh, attending um, future F1 events, so that's good. Um, and and it just, I just hope you know the drivers and the teams would speak out a little more strong, with a little more oomph in their statements to really condemn it, really sh- show what side they're in. Now it just seems like they're just fulfilling um, like the bare minimum. And we need we need more than that, but yeah, it's just disgusting. Uh, you know, it's a sad topic or a bad topic to end the podcast on, but it had to be said. Um, you know, I was already a Hamilton fan. I follow him on social media. He's he's a fun guy. He's he has a he has a good personality, and I, I enjoy uh, keeping up with his life outside of F one. And obviously, in F one, he's a great driver. But even more now, man, I'm gonna support him harder than ever, man. This guy, like. Like I said, if you put context on all the accomplishments he has, even without context, context, you just look at his wiki page and you see all the 
the wins and all the accomplishments he has. And you're like, damn, this guy's this guy's legit. And then you add context to it on a, on like these type of comments that he's received constantly his whole life, being in that sport, being in that limelight, and you're just you're amazed that this guy did all of that. So respect to Hamilton and I wish you the best in your rest of your career and I hope I know you have the tough skin, I know and I know you'll get through this, but my support to you and bravo the way you handle it dude like you're uh you're amazing and i know there's so many fans out there kids out there that look up to you they're gonna look at themselves in the mirror and be like my guy hamilton's leading the way but that should do it for this episode of the hard to handle sports podcast like always if you made it to the end i appreciate you so much have a great rest of your day and let's find out where kd ends up at